Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip, your lovely host this afternoon on May the 4th, be Star Wars Day. I know my fellow nerds in this room. May the 4th be with you, James. May the 4th be with you, Andrew. Rise of Skywalker out today on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, man. I had to update that Disney+. Plus last night. also had to update my Star Wars Battlefront game I told you guys about a couple weeks ago. Because they added in, like, a whole new, like, Age of the Republic era with, like, Death Star maps and all this cool stuff. So I, w- I was up playing Star Wars Battlefront until, like, 6.30 this morning. Yeah, they updated Fortnite, so it includes the lightsaber as, like, a melee tool. Oh, that's awesome. And, and it's got, like, all the different colors. It, this, it was like this last year, too, but or right around when the Rise of Skywalker was released, but they brought it back from May the 4th. But you can use any of the lightsabers, and it's kind of... And I've gotten into a bunch of lightsaber fights with, like, another player that has the little, little tool, too. They had triple XP on that game last night, and I was I didn't plan on playing all night. I was like, I'm gonna watch some Game of Thrones, but I got caught into a bunch of lightsaber battles myself. Yeah. And it was like it's May the Fourth. I'm just gonna keep on going. I think I'm gonna bring my 30 uh, inch Darth Vader in, and I'm gonna put him here in the in the podcast office. I was thinking about doing it today, and I didn't. I thought it would be appropriate, but I wasn't quite sure. I'm not even sure where we'd put him because I don't think he would fit on these shelves. Uh, It'd probably be right here, right by a soundboard, possibly. But I don't want to. I don't want to like scare off our guests when we actually do get people back in the podcast studio, Um, because literally he has the force choke hand going on, so we can point him at the door. So whenever they walk in, I've got one of those too. It's awesome. But the only thing is that my uh, my guy, he he had like an action where like he would swing his lightsaber at you. Yeah, but that's like broken, so his lightsaber is just like down. He looks like he's all mad, like about just. Scream at you or something. I had so much fun last night. It doesn't matter. We have an amazing show today. Really, we do. I'm very excited about today. We have a lot to talk about. It's going to be long. It's going to be strong. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Our interview today is... Interviews. Well, interviews today, yeah, with a, with a couple very special people. Uh, Elk Rapids graduate and now the new New Orleans Saint, Adam Troutman, will be joining us on today's podcast. And also Amy Just from the New Orleans Times Pecuni Advocate, a beat writer for the New Orleans Saints down there who has done a lot of in-depth reporting for them and has covered um, Adam's journey down to New Orleans, will be joining us as well today. So we're going to be very in-depth on our local star who has made his way off to the NFL. We're going to talk a little bit about him uh, in between those interviews. But otherwise, there was some actual local sports that went on in the past week. Um, We have couple things to talk about on the pulse i'm not going to tell you just yet because we're going to get in that in just a second but we're going to bring back another rendition of the hall of fame we're going to tell you about our updated bracket i believe we are now in the sweet 16 of our greatest athlete of all time bracket we're going to give you a little update on that and we're going to dive into our trifecta and we're going to tell you our favorite hobbies throughout our lifetime so gentlemen we're going to put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse which is presented by jimmy john's with two locations in traverse city order a tasty sandwich today with the jimmy john's app James, you took point on this last week after a little, uh, you know, a little birdie went off and, and, you know, let us know. But Glenn Lake has a new football coach. Uh, after Jerry Andrews steps down, Nate Sneed stepping in, gets promoted from within. Kind of a cool story. You mentioned it right before we got on the air here today, but it goes from statistician or, well, from athlete playing under these coaches to statistician to head football coach. I mean, you go ahead and tell yeah, us I how mean, that happened. Yeah, he played for Bill Hollenbeck and Jerry Andrews, the last two coaches at Glen Lake. You know, he, he said, of course, that he thinks both of those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Hollenbeck already is. Jerry has, I think Jerry have a pretty decent case. Yeah, good resume. Yeah. You know, then he went on to play college at Augustana and then at Hope College, backup quarterback for, for most of that time. Um, but he said that that kind of allowed him to really pick up a lot of understanding for the game of, of being that person who helps the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think offense is his, is his forte and everything. But, uh, you know, said he wants to, you know, kind of keep continuity. So he's looking to kind of keep the, the coaching staff very Basically similar to, to last year and everything. But he didn't have any, you know, He'd just been hired when I talked to him, so he didn't have any updates on the, you know, any of that stuff. I know, exactly I'm, and I'm sure, especially with him being part of the system for as long as he has at Glen Lake, uh, I'm sure there's not going to be a super drastic change. And like you said, with the continuity between coaches, I'm sure he'll bring his own fa- flair and flavor. But I feel like when you're kind of read or raised and bred in a system, and that's what you play, that's what you know, that's kind of what you learn, that's kind of what you coach. I don't see them really mm. deviating too far from that Glen Lake style of football, and I think that might be one of the reasons why the Lakers and uh, the board out there was really comfortable with bringing Snead up from within because he's been a Laker his entire life. Yeah, I think the, maybe the biggest change would be who's the defensive coordinator going to be because you know Jerry handled that role 
himself uh, when he was head coach. So that's the the one position that they're going to have to fill. Um, I'm going to I'm going to guess that Tim Peterson is coming back as offensive coordinator. You know, and guys like Darren Keaton and, and a, a whole host of other assistant coaches that they have there. So who they have at defensive coordinator, I think, will be the maybe the, the biggest change. I don't know. It could just be a promotion from within. You never I know. I mean, Nate himself might even take over that role um, as Jerry had. You know, you know, you don't really know yet. Like you said, it was kind of a, it was a real quick, quick uh, thing. I mean, technically the board still hasn't uh, actually approved him, but as far as we know, as far as he knows, as far as the entire Glen Lake community even knows, um, he is going to be the next football coach. It's just things yeah. get delayed a little bit in the current times. Can't sit down and have meetings every week or whenever you may want to. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to take a second just to kind of get those. It'll be a virtual meeting and all yeah. that. But I mean, how many times have you ever seen the athletic director making a recommendation for a coach hiring and the school board say no? Not very, 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 very rarely, if ever. Yeah, I think I've only ever seen it once, and that was like t- two decades ago. Like in local, around here in high okay. school stuff. Congratulations, Nate. Congratulations to the Lakers. Found a new football coach. I know uh, in uncertain times, it's good to kind of stamp that, you know, they'll be ready for next season. I'm sure that, you know, I know that. I remember when, when Jerry stepped down, I talked to Matson, and they said that they were going to take their time, and they weren't lying. I mean, it's what, it's first week of May, and Jerry stepped down at the end of Jan- uh, near, near the end of January, middle of January. So they took a full three months to make this decision, and even if it came from within, obviously a lot, quite a lot went into it. But speaking of football, we have another local story coming out with the Northern Michigan Football Conference expanding and possibly even looking to expand even more is what you said, James. But they added a couple teams for 2021 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, it seems like they might be expanding all the way across Northern Michigan. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it can truly become the Northern Michigan, not instead of the kind of the, was the Northwest Michigan sort of. Uh, football conference before but yeah they're they're, they're adding Sault Ste. Marie and Ogemaw Heights this year they'll go into the Legends Division which is the big school division um, and then for next year they're adding Tawas which is also going to go into the big school division that'll give them eight there and then they're adding Lincoln Alcona and Rogers City to the, to the Legacy which is the small school division that would bring that up to seven and Ascoda has also applied for application uh, for the 2021 season, and so that would give them an even eight in the legacy division, and then six in the uh, middle leaders division. The schools like Sault Ste. Marie, Oscoda, Rogers City, those to me at least seem like they basically are almost part of the league already. A lot of these schools play those schools anyways. They make that trip to Sault Ste. Marie, or they, they do those home and homes every year where Sault Ste. Marie is coming down, they're going back up there. So that that doesn't change much for me. But when we talk about those east side of the s- state schools like Tawas or Lincoln Alcona that are getting a little bit further away, mm-hmm. I mean, we've already talked about geographical challenges with, you know, the football conferences and especially the big schools up here with Sault Ste. Marie, Tawas, Traverse City West, Traverse City Central, the big ones. Man, that is, I mean, what, 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 what did you say the distance was between a couple of these schools? That, that isn't the big schools with... Uh, you know, Tawas, but... Yeah, well, I mean, well, Benzie will be in the same division as Tawas. Um, so Benzie to Tawas is two hours and 44 minutes. That's one way. Drive. Yeah, one way. Frankfurt will be in the same division as Rogers City and Alcona, and those drives are 3.08 and three hours on the nose. <laughs> Man, that is, that, is, that is just a heck of a bus ride after a football yeah. game. You know, Frankfurt already has three Saturday games scheduled for next year. You're better off like that, though. Because of, because of the travel the travel for and this Frankfurt's year. And Frankfurt's kind of like in a weird spot. Like, there's no really highways to connect. Two and a half hours for a regional title game is a little bit more acceptable to me than a Friday Night Lights conference game where kids are most likely going to have to get off school at noon to bus out there, be there by whatever, 4 o'clock, ready for game time at 6, because... I mean, I would assume that they might even move these game times up a little bit, right, with that type of travel? It would have to be at, like, 5. Make it, like, a 6 a six p.m. start, so that way that the kids aren't getting home at 2 in the morning? Yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to do double headers with JV games. Oh, no way. Those are going to have to be on different days. And that's going to be very, very... But they'll have to... See, and then but that, that just makes even more travel issues with it, too, but... I yeah. mean, I know... I think you're going to see more... But Saturday you're better off... I, th- I still think... I'll put it this way. Regardless of how big the NMFC gets... I think people are better off being part of the NMFC than trying to just bounce around independently and uh, 
you know, try and find games yeah. here or there. Yeah, you've got guaranteed scheduling. And especially yeah, with the playoff system. Have, yeah, you may have one of those games a year that's a three-hour drive. But yeah. if you're not in a league or you're in a some other league, you're, it's going to be the travel is going to be just as bad, and then you're going to have, have to end up picking up some some non-conference game for week nine or whatever that's going to be against, you know, Adrian or something, or some, way, something way, way, way out off, there. something Or something way off that really isn't going to do you any good for playoff points. I mean, we know, we've talked about this mm-hmm. over the last couple of years that I've been here at least. The Northern Michigan Football Conference is very good. There's always mm-hmm. someone coming out of there, basically going down to Ford Field in, in one of the four divisions. But, I mean, obviously we know the smaller division schools seem to do a little mm-hmm. bit better. I mean, we had Glen Lake there last year. You know, King, Kingsley was making a Kingsley was making a run. We had Traverse City St. Francis, who obviously has been a powerhouse in the Northern Michigan Football Conference for years. But teams like Rogers City have given a lot of these teams runs over the last couple of years. I think it's actually boosting and bolstering the conference a little bit in the new playoff system with the new playoff points. Wins against good opponents matter. Mm-hmm. Having a conference like this in Northern Michigan gives a lot of these schools a much better chance of actually making it down to Ford Field, getting seated higher in their regions, being that school because there's going to be more quality football, more games with, with bigger schools mm-hmm. that will give them more points. Yeah. Another school that I would not be surprised to see in the Northern Michigan Football Conference within a couple years is Whittemore Prescott. The North Star League had, had five teams in it last year. Roger City, Lincoln, Alcota, Oscoda, Tawas, Whittemore Prescott. And then four of those are going to be on MSC. Yes. So, so I don't know where Whitmore Prescott plays this year. But I'm not sure either. I remember uh, they Whitmore Prescott played Glen Lake uh, in the playoffs last year. That's the only time I actually saw them play. But yeah, I'm not sure. They're the only one for 2021 that doesn't have a new home. So if you added Whitmore Prescott into the Legacy Division, then that would allow you to slide Oscoda up into the Leaders Division because they would be the bigger school there, and then have seven schools in the Leaders Division. So you'd have an eight-seven-eight grouping in the uh, in the divisions. I think they'd be happy with that. No, but, uh, you know, and the other thing is you could add Whitmore Prescott in case you lose another team to eight-player football, which is very possible. I've heard St. Ignace is kind of moving towards that direction, and they've only got an enrollment of 209, so they're under that threshold of still being able to qualify for the playoffs yeah, in eight-player. Yeah, they could be 11-player, or they could do They could drop down eight, eight and yeah. still, make the, still qualify for the playoffs, whereas some schools, you know, like Harbor Springs, East Jordan, uh, Ascoda and even and Whitmore mark, Prescott. Yeah, they're they're hovering around there or over that mark where two thirty nine or something like that. I can't remember where it it's, is. It's, 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 it's right moved. There. It's moved the last couple of years a little bit because it used to just be the strictly the Class D cutoff, and now it's a little higher than that. But you know, so Saint Ignace would be under that. Roger City would be under that. Lincoln Alcona is under that. Joburg technically is under that. Yeah, and Frankfurt is. Although Frankfurt is very adamant about never playing eight player football. You know, they've got bigger classes coming through in the in seventh and eighth grade right now um, in the incoming freshman class and stuff, but they have small class sizes in the fifth and sixth grade that are going to hit them again in a couple years. Well, since we're talking about the NMFC, let's talk to one of their probably now more famous alumni from Elk Rapids, uh, the new New Orleans Saints tight end, Adam Troutman. He, he joined us here on Monday, May 4th. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that interview now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Elk Rapids native, Dayton graduate, and now New Orleans Saint, Adam Troutman, a tight end from Elk Rapids High School. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just, what, is it even nine days now after being drafted? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. I figure you're still still in Dayton, kind of working some stuff out. Mm -hmm. You're getting prepared for the NFL. I mean... Just in the last week, obviously, it's probably been a whirlwind. You've probably got a lot of phone calls, a lot of friends and family. Mm-hmm. Just what is the what is the difference in life been like for you pre-draft and post-draft? I guess, honestly, like not much has changed. I mean, I guess the Instagram followers and uh, things like that. But honestly, nothing, nothing really. Like it was awesome. And I mean, it's still a great feeling and everything. And I'm super excited. But I mean, it just went right back to normal for me, like just working out on my own and kind of thing. Now I do have... Uh, like virtual meetings with with the team and my tight ends coach and and stuff like that just to go over some things and install help to install the offense just so I can get a head start and and learn it um, so that's really all that's changed is just meetings with with the team 
Honestly. Uh, now now that you actually kind of are a part of the team, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, do, do, do you kind of feel like you are a full New Orleans Saint? Has that really hit you yet since it's kind of like you're just doing virtual meetings and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a – yeah, it's definitely a weird feeling. Like, they're doing a great job of, like, making me feel like it. But, I mean, personally, not really. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, learn, getting, you know, the, learning the playbook and everything, like, it starts to feel more real now for sure because I'm not – trying to learn like a few different offenses like mm-hmm. when coaches would quiz me and stuff over facetime or at the combine or senior bowl or whatever so it definitely feels more real now that i'm i got one playbook and like this is what i'm like i gotta be all about this and uh super specific about this for the next i mean however long i'm gonna be there but obviously especially the next few months yeah i mean i'm sure that's not how you kind of pictured leading into your first nfl yeah. season no. Yeah. I mean, meeting like my, I'm going to like, I mean, I already met a couple of my teammates and stuff and, you know, meeting them over Zoom or whatever isn't exactly uh, ideal. You'd like to be able to shake their hand and kind of say, you know, hey, no. nice to meet you. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Get a, get a feel, you know, facial expressions make conversation way easier too, and be able to see all that. So yeah, that, that's very unfortunate, but um, I mean, everyone's got to deal with it. Everyone's just rolling with it right now. Have you have your workouts changed in the last week since uh, you know that you actually have the guidance of an NFL uh, team or can you like say yeah. hey can you send me a jugs machine or something? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I'm gonna get actually in contact with them this week and see what what they can do for me. Uh, I think there's a I for, I don't know the rule exactly, but there's a a certain amount of equipment they can send me. So I'm gonna get on that for sure. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that's changed really in my workouts is like the route, the specific routes that I'm running because now they're all tailored specifically to our offense now with the Saints. So that's different. And like the block, the blocking that I do and stuff is all tailored specifically to the offense. Now. Um, well, and Sean Payton had said that um, one of the things that they that stuck out with you on tape is that you run a lot of the same routes in Dayton as as what they run, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that a lot of it's sim- similar. Um, mm-hmm. is it, have you noticed the same thing? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's actually like it's going to make this learning this learning curve and everything like like much more simple than you know it could have been with a with another team or something because yeah i mean going through the playbook like everything is pretty much i mean everything's like different terminology wise but scheme wise like concept wise it's all pretty much the same obviously there's a lot more different wrinkles in this offense like certain things that they do um just the complexity of it but yeah for the most part it's it's pretty uh similar and very familiar to me now i gotta ask with the mm-hmm. with the difference being in the offenses is obviously you will you'll be getting a chance to catch passes from a hall of fame quarterback and drew Brees. Yeah. i mean what type of excitement as a tight end you get to block for the guy and you get to catch passes mm-hmm. for somebody like that uh if you if yeah. you're to work your way there i mean what what did that feel like when you got picked by the Saints as opposed to maybe you know someone someone else where somebody would be throwing a ball to you? This is the type of situation that every rookie offensive player for sure. I mean, yeah, that wants them wants to come into. Like you got one of the best offenses in the entire NFL. You got one of the best quarterbacks of all time. One of the best head coaches of all time. Like it's a such a great situation to go into. Like of course I was upset. Like that was I fell more than I thought I was going to. But. When I got the call from them and, you know, saw the New Orleans number on my phone, I was so excited. I mean, really, as a rookie, you just want to go in and kind of be like a sponge and taking everything from, you know, Drew and Coach Payton and just learn from them. And, yeah, I mean, just soak it all in because, you know, they're at the top of the top of the food chain when it comes to football knowledge and, and execution and, and success. Have you practiced what you're going to say the first time you actually meet Sean Payton and Drew Brees in person? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll try not to think about it because that might actually make it worse. So that's when you start to stutter, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, there. I mean, I've already got Drew's actually texted me already, and I talked to Coach Payne on the phone. So yeah, I mean, they're they're very obviously welcoming guys and easy to talk to and all that. And you said you met a few other people on the team. I would assume maybe your tight end coach, maybe your tight end group. With, yeah. You know, Jared Cook, Josh Hill. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that have you gotten to know those guys at all have, have you already tried to kind of absorb some stuff from them and see how they kind of work yeah i actually haven't talked to um josh hill or jared cook yet because they haven't been a part of our meetings because they're not requiring some of the veterans to do things and obviously they've been playing an offense so like i'm brand new to this mm-hmm. offense so like just doing installs with some of the you know younger guys on the team in the, in the tight end room so i haven't had a chance to talk with them but i'm super excited obviously to to talk with them and pick their brains as well. 
what's it like learning an NFL offense? You know, it, it mm-hmm. was probably a huge difference getting adjusted to the college level where you're probably installing something different every week. But looking ahead for what what makes an NFL offense difference when you have to look ahead? Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the complexity of it, like from all the different types of sh- pre-snap ca- uh, shifts and all the different types of motions and, and certain things that you do to try to tip the defense off and so that you know what they're doing and all the different checks at the line of scrimmage. Um, just like, I mean, really, it, it's, it's obviously way more complex, but I'm honestly used to a lot of it from college, which is, like I mentioned, super nice. Like, we killed a bunch of plays and in college, switching from one run play to another. We would do a bunch of alerts, switching the uh, side that the play was called to just at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. So I'm familiar with it. Obviously, they do it differently uh, in some ways, so that will take some time to learn. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty similar. Now, there's a lot of verbiage. I'm used to that as well, but there's even more in this one. So, I mean, it's all about just getting in and, and learning it and um, doing everything you can, you know, whether you got to, like, go out and have someone read the read a couple of the plays off to you so you can get a feel for it or just get my little brother like quiz me on like formations or concepts things like that um just get like creative with it and and you know do what you do to to learn best have the saints given you any other things like as far as workouts is they have they been like you know hey we want you up to 270 mm-hmm. or, or something like that <laughs> or they just said just keep doing what you're doing yeah no um yeah, I mean, talking to my tight end coach, like, I'm on a good track right now, just what I've been doing. But, yeah, I mean, he, he I, I asked him that, actually. Yeah, I was like, hey, what are you guys, like, weight-wise for me? Uh, he was he was just like, hey, like, if you – he's like, if you're 255 like you are now, like, that's perfect coming. Like, that's fine with me. But he's like, you know, New Orleans in the in the summertime into early fall, obviously, is, is very hot and humid. So you might want to come in a, maybe a couple pounds heavier, like 250, 258-ish. So, yeah, I'll, that's the number I'll be shooting for. Um, mm-hmm. And do it obviously healthily, not you know throwing on bad weight or anything like that. Get so. some of that good Cajun food. Oh, yeah. say, that's, that, I, I didn't think he was going to say anything about the heat. I thought he was about to be like, over the summertime, they got that good Bayou cooking. You're going to gain some weight. Oh no, they. I mean, they definitely do, and I will take part in that for sure. But um, uh, with shrimp yeah, not, not I think yet. they got good seafood down there. I think you'll really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I will. <laughs> now. Sure. Uh, Coming, coming from a you know a small place up here in northern Michigan, I kind of want to mm-hmm. like track back and localize this just a little bit. I know, I know. James told me from a young age, you know, you said you wanted to play football. You were just always very dedicated to do it. But you know, coming from a small area, coming from Elk Rapids, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a lot of people who told you it wasn't going to happen, or you know, a lot of times that you heard other people say they were going to do it, and then you saw them not mm-hmm. do it. What about where you came from? Kind of pushed you uh, to where you where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it was really just a couple of people that. You know, I fortunately was surrounded by him. And my dad played a huge role in that. My older brother played a huge role in that. And then probably the person who, who played the biggest role in that was my, my trainer that I used in one of my coaches. And, you know, a guy that I think of like family, Ryan Mullaney. He, he, I mean, he de- helped develop me physically, um, you know, develop my speed, agility, explosiveness, everything like that. But really what he did for me was develop a mindset to be great at what you do and not really um, – and, and to strive for that really – every day and you know mediocrity just get that out of your life and things that you do and really i just followed that and just be and being different is is cool like some kids don't want to take it super serious like all right whatever that's your choice like i'm gonna do it though and and usually those types of people see see results and honestly that's what i followed and, and obviously i saw results now i i feel like you might say a little bit of the same thing but what type of advice would you give for say mm-hmm. a freshman in high school who, I mean, I mean, even now, you know, it's getting a little tougher here in Northern Michigan. A lot of these schools are getting forced to go down to, like, eight-player football. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do things like that. I mean, what would you say to a kid who, who might not see that opportunity at the end of the tunnel who's in eighth and ninth grade but has that same dream that you did when you were 13 or 14 yeah. years old? I mean, you get what you earn, and that's really, that's really the baseline for it, and it's what you're willing to sacrifice to, to get to that point. Obviously, the sacrifices you make in college are a little different than in high school because the certain things you have access to and all that but it ultimately comes down to how much you, you want to sacrifice to be to be great at this and have a chance at this even if it's not like the cool thing to do all the time and you know people might think of you as like i guess like a popular term it's like a try hard and stuff but the try hard people are the ones who are successful so yeah i mean it's it's really just a nose like head down just grind at it like that that's all you have to do you know be a be all about it 
research it, pick people's brains when you can come across uh, people who have a lot of knowledge and, and really you're going to make it your life. You know, if you, if you aren't super, super gifted uh, naturally or anything like that, like you gotta, it's all, it's all about how much you work at it and that ultimately decides uh, how successful you'll be. And when you finally get the uh, tight end room around, are you guys going to try to uh, to ostracize Jared Cook as the only big school tight end? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might, yeah. I didn't realize how many uh, small school tight ends were like, in the tight end room, honestly. Like, I saw, like, looking up some of the guys, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because Josh went to Idaho State. And then yeah. you got the kid from Ferris State, and then Cole Wick, who played briefly for the Cole Lions, Wick, played from, 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 Word, a, yeah. from a tiny school. I think he's NAIA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, well, actually, I know uh, one of my buddies when I grew up in Houston um, played with him. They're actually, they are FCS, but, like, they were brand new, like, I think okay. five or six years ago, so... Yeah, I know. He came from a small school. All of them did. So. I remember yeah. it being a big deal when the Lions signed him about how did they find this kid from this little, exactly. little school yeah. has never had anybody yeah. go to the NFL before. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, that's a nice uh, thing that, you know, is going to be similar about a lot of us. Yeah, so, yeah. We exciting. actually we spoke with that the beat reporter Amy Just, and that's one of the things that she she brought up during the interview was that you know Sean Payton and that coaching staff has chose I think she said close to about fifteen people 13. in that thirteen or fifteen people in that locker room who have come from non FBS schools. Um, oh wow! Uh, yeah, I mean I don't know if that was any part of conversation that you had with yeah. them or anything like that, but what what do you think that says about the organization who picked you and and what they might mm-hmm. expect out of you as a small school guy? Yeah, I mean I think that shows a lot like they they want guys with an edge and a certain competitiveness to them and like i mean that's who i want to play with i want to play with guys and i know that everyone on that team wants to play with guys that that have that edge and football's their thing and and you're super competitive every single day and ultimately those things lead to wins and the only thing that matters in in football is is winning so i mean it says a lot about the organization that they have a certain type of person that they want and they don't care where they're coming from and if you fit like the the Saints model, like they're gonna take you and they're gonna take a shot on you. Alrighty, Adam. Well, we appreciate you so much taking the time out of your what is only going to be an ever increasingly busy schedule as we work towards your first NFL season. <laughs> um, the get around us us up here. We really appreciate you. Uh, congratulations once again on getting selected by the Saints. We can't wait to see where you go in your career from here. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Another huge thank you to Adam Troutman for joining us here at the Get Around. I know it's very exciting to have our local players uh, do big things. I know we try to follow a lot of our recruits from the time that they're, you know, freshmen all the way through their college years and beyond. But we hope to see a lot of very big things out of Adam in the future uh, in New Orleans and throughout his career in the NFL. So congratulations to him once again for being selected. Congratulations on all the hard work that it took to get selected. Um, as you heard. Now, I want to talk a little bit about his career, James, a little bit about him. Uh, I know we kind of just got to know him a little bit, but let's go ahead and uh, go kind of back over your story that you, you kind of had a really cool in-depth look at Adam and kind of how he became what he was just a couple weeks ago, just before the draft of the record. Eagle. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but you kind of, you did a really good job of pinpointing character points about Adam that really you know, seems that put him in that place that, that made him one of those NFL guys. Uh, even mm-hmm. back in high school, people saw it. And, it, I mean, obviously it took some time. But what about your time talking to Adam? Did you get from him and what was made him different? The one thing that everybody brought up when I t- talked to, and I talked to like eight different people for that story or something, maybe, I don't know, maybe more. But the one thing everybody brought up about him is just that he had a drive and a dedication. Like, he said from an early age, I'm going to play in the NFL. And everything that came after that was something that was going to help him play in the NFL. So, I mean, he just he just dedicated himself. He was laser-focused, didn't ignore the other things. I mean, he's still a good student, graduated. He's already graduated, graduated early with his degree in electrical engineering. You know, so he's not, like, slacking off on other things, but just so laser-focused on, on those things. And, you know, the hamburger story kind of reflects that and that he realized in order to play college football, he was going to have to be a bigger guy than he was in high school. There's only one way to do and that. And he just kept eating hamburger all the time. You know, he was 170-something, I think, as a junior in high school, and he's 257 at the, Literally at, 100 at the, pounds at the different. combine, I think it was. Only a couple different. Only, only a couple Eight, inches pounds? different. Only a couple inches difference in height, but, like, 85 I don't know pounds. That he, I don't know that he 
grew any more height-wise. He had a big growth spurt where he got a lot taller early in high school. and he, So by his junior year, he was already like 6'5". Okay. and <laughs> He was just 6'5 and thin. So we just needed 100 pounds on him. Yeah. James, whenever you write, you know, all three of us know, whenever you write a story that long, there's always going to be something you didn't include. One inter- part of one interview or one part of an interview, one anecdote you didn't have. What was that for the Troutman story? It was interesting. He was telling me about when he was right before he got picked, that he saw that the Vikings were on the clock, and then his phone rang. And I think part of this was in the story, but he saw his phone ring, and it was from Louisiana, and he's like, I don't know what the heck this is, you know, but he was going to answer it, you know, but he's, he's thinking maybe uh, a coach from the Vikings lives in Louisiana and everything. But it, uh, one of the things he said was, I asked him about what some of the other coach or teams are that seemed really interested in him before the draft that didn't take him. Um, and he said the teams that showed the most interest during pre-draft were the Atlanta Falcons, the New England Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Green Bay Packers, all of whom passed on him in the third round. And what the Patriots actually, all actually all three of those I think selected a tight end uh, in the third eventually. round ahead of him. I don't know. That, I, uh, I don't know if the I don't know if the Dallas did that round, but I, I know the Packers did, and I know the and the, the, and the Patriots did. did. Or the pa- the Patriots did beforehand, and the Packers yeah. did. Yeah, and the Patriots take two tight ends. I think. But anyway, those were the teams that he really thought were his potential landing spots based on interest during before the draft. So hey, if you ask me, he ended up in the best p- possible situation you could have found. Just about, I think. I mean, I mean, that offense in New Orleans is explosive. He has playmakers all around him with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I mean, Drew Brees, in my opinion, is probably the, like technically the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Just you, a completion percentage, accuracy, just yards, touchdowns. I mean, I think it was like what? I think Drew Brees, I think it was literally something insane number, like 118 straight games where he had two or more passing touchdowns that was broken last year. Like, Drew Brees is amazing. And you've seen what tight ends in that system can do when they're used correctly. And when yeah, they like do Jimmy well. Graham in his prime. Jimmy Graham in his prime. Jared Cook did well when he was there. I mean, he still is there. I'm, um, but still, yeah. last year he did well. Um they're, they're going to utilize him in that offense. So I think that he ended up in a really good spot with, mm-hmm. I mean, getting a chance to play with literally one of the best quarterbacks ever put on a football helmet. I mean, that that's what excites me for him is coming from northern Michigan. It, it would have been really cool, hey, you get picked by the Patriots, but then it's like, what is, you know, it's not Tom Brady throwing to you anymore. You know, it's not the same thing that you thought about it as it was. I mean, Drew Brees is one of those perennial guys that obviously New Orleans is not, like, letting him walk, like, do uh, New England just did for Tom Brady to Tampa Bay? They'll just keep throwing him twenty five million dollars a year and say, whenever you want to stop, mm-hmm. you go ahead and stop." So I think that he's in a good spot. One of the one of the other things that he did mention too is that uh, I I kind of asked him who he styles his game after, or who he looks up to, or whatever. And uh, the first name that he brought up was George Kittle. Okay. From Iowa and with the Forty ers now, and um, and then uh, T J. Hawkinson. Another Iowa. He said was uh, George Kittle didn't go to Iowa, did he? George Kittle went to Iowa too. Yeah, and Man. and Fant. Iowa's like yeah, tight like end all university. Yeah, three of those tight ends. Holy crap! Yeah, and then uh, yeah, T.J. Hawkinson. He said was a guy that he really uh, emulated his style of play and being somebody who could catch the ball and and block and be a, a help in the blocking game. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's trying to emulate his game after first round picks who are tight ends. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good pr- it's a good place to do it. But um, another person that we had a. Ch- chance to talk to about Adam to get a little bit more insight about why the New Orleans Saints chose him and uh, what what she saw about him in the pre-draft process and now obviously going forward. Amy Just from the New Orleans Advocate Times Pecuni joined us to chat. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around is excited to welcome in Amy Justman, New Orleans Times Picayune, beat writer for the New Orleans Saints, who helped kind of James kind of figure out why Adam went down to New Orleans and uh, all that. But Amy, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time to kind of chat about one of our local stars. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a small world. I uh, was actually one of the editors uh, for Andrew at our student paper in college. So the world is just funny how it works. I'm glad to be on. If yeah, it weren't for Amy, I wouldn't have gotten to photograph at MLS game. So I thank you for that four years after the fact. 
<laughs> no problem. Now, uh, you're down in New Orleans. I know you've been uh, working with the Saints for about a year. So you've you've been really deep in this, especially this would be, you know, first full draft process for you. But, you know, they they, ma- they made their picks, but they traded a bunch of picks for Adam Trump. And we're really just going to kind of focus on him and, uh, you know, the circumstances surrounding that to start off with. But they picked Adam Trump. I mean, they traded a whole bunch of picks at the end. I mean, you being the B reporter, why do you think they made that decision to jump up and take uh, the guy from Elk Rapids? This is not unique. The Saints do this all the time. I believe Adam was their 20th trade-up in the past 14 years. So it would be more concerning, I guess, if they didn't trade up. And so they traded up twice in that round. They traded up earlier to get a linebacker, uh, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. And because of that trade is how they were able to trade up again to get Adam. So when they trade when the Saints traded up to get Adam, that seventh round pick, along with all of the Saints other the third day picks, went to Minnesota. That's a long way of saying that yeah, this happens all the time, but the two picks even though you want to talk about Adam, the two were very linked because without them trading up to get that linebacker out of Wisconsin, I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure they would have been able to figure out a way to get Adam, maybe. but it just helped. Maybe maybe not had those like, assets clean. that they did. Had that, yeah. that those extra couple picks to kind of just like throw in the pot and say we want to get our guy now in the preparation for the draft. Uh, how much were I mean? How much were you guys down in New Orleans looking at a guy like Adam, looking at tight end, and how much did they? Where did they have him on their board? Where was your kind of thought before they actually picked him in the third round? I didn't know what they were going to do at tight end. I thought they might go more receiver over tight end just because so only two true tight ends got significant playing time last year, and that's Jared Cook and Josh Hill, who are both seasoned vets. It doesn't surprise me that they went and got a third tight end there. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially because Jared and Josh are getting older and they're nearing a uh, Josh is nearing the end of his contract. Jared still has a couple more years left on it, but to get a younger guy in there, I think it's really smart, especially a guy like Adam, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, both like big athletes who have history playing other positions. Um, and Adam, Adam fits that, uh, Sean Payton likes likes those trick plays he had one last year the fullback option the fullback at the time he's from michigan the the fullback pitched to Taysom hill and i would presume that adam might be involved in some of those trick plays Mm -hmm. uh some of those fun things that keep the saints offense fresh and just because he has you know the ability to be a quarterback because he did that you know not too terribly long ago wanted to ask you about your small school saint story for those of our audible viewers not uh that aren't familiar with amy and her work i encourage you to follow her on twitter and read that story i think you had it pinned to the top of your profile for a while anyways if you look it up on google it's called small school saints and i think if you just add training camp in there you'll find it one of the top items on there but anyways you wrote about there's now 15 guys in the saints roster that played at what you considered a small school can you talk about that article your what your thoughts are on it looking back and how Adam kind of fits into that storyline? Yeah, so I used to cover the football at the FCS level. So I covered the University of Montana, which is a powerhouse uh, at what is, you know, the the old 1AA. And I just really enjoyed my time there. And as I worked my way up in covering, you know, Power 5 football, and then working my way into the NFL, I really noticed that there was a there was a trend uh, with the Saints, you know, giving these chances to all of these guys who are either undrafted guys who went to small schools or drafted guys who went to small schools. And I just I wanted to know kind of their thought process their thought process on that, as well as just seeing how many other teams were giving similar shots to these guys. And so the story that I wrote last year, there were 12 small school saints uh, in training camp. And one of them, he was not drafted. He went to a Division II school. By the end of the year, he earned first-team All-Pro and Pro Bowl honors as a returner. 
and led the league in several different categories, in ter- in, including punt return yards, number of punt returns, combined returns, and combined return yards as an undrafted rookie out of a Division II school. And some of that goes into Sean Payton himself played at a 1AA school. And a lot of his assistants also either played a small college ball or didn't play at all and went to small schools. And I think that's really unique. Is that, and, is that something that you've only kind of seen on the beat in New Orleans? Because I, mean, I, do, I guess I do see there's, there's – there's, I mean, there's quite a few guys in the NFL now. I mean, just for example, I mean, like Jimmy Garoppolo going to like ECU or something like that, now starting for the 49ers. That's not a super large school – um, something along those lines. I mean, is that just something that you've seen in just the New Orleans organization, or is that something that's kind of uh, wide, more widespread in the NFL than you would actually think? It's everywhere, but I don't know. I just think the Saints put a different emphasis on it because so many of the coaching staff and support staff are small school, are small school guys themselves. And you, know, you see the success stories all over the place, but... It's who they have on their team that may not be starting on Sundays, maybe on their practice squad or guys that they go back to in training camp to give them more chances. Uh, I think that's unique. So last year, there were uh, 443 players on August 19th that went to schools that were not FBS. So your non-Power 5, your non-Group of 6, your FCS, your D2, your D3, your NAIA, some guys that played college ball in Canada, and then some other ones that came over through the international pipeline. Or guys that just played rugby, got their shot here, played soccer, you know, what have you. No, those numbers fluctuate every day just because there's transactions every day in the NFL just moving all the time. And I don't remember how many of them across the league made it onto onto rosters, but the Saints had several, you know, make it onto make their on roster. Fifty two man roster. Now obviously just in just in the case of Adam and him being a uh, you know, smaller school with it being Dayton, um, coming from a very small area, what do you think that the success rate that Sean Payton and them have had with those type of players that plays into the, the picks that they make? Oh, for sure. I think it does. I think they, they've shown that they take chances on guys that weren't highly recruited or maybe just a little undersized for their position or maybe just the wrong build. If they see, if they have a clear vision for a guy, regardless of his size, they're going to go get him. And they showed that with Adam. They don't go after guys that aggressively if there's no vision for them. And what that vision is remains to be seen. They, they keep that, you know, under lock and key. They don't like to divulge that information. But they're aggressive when they're going after somebody they really, really like. And the move they made to get Adam was very aggressive. What, what do you think that does for um, his chances actually going down to, to New Orleans and get, having a chance to perform in the NFL? Yeah, I think it speaks highly of what he can do. And it also says something that the Saints only had a four-person draft class this year. Uh, they did retain a lot of guys in free agency and then just didn't have a lot of guys leave or be cut. And this offseason is going to be very interesting because it's unlike one we've really ever had. You know, 2011, when there was the lockout, when they were negotiating the new collective bargaining agreement, they didn't have OTAs. They didn't have any off-season stuff um, until training camp. And that's what it's going to be like, you know, hopefully. That's like the best-case scenario, right? So it helps the Saints that they had a smaller draft class because then, you know, they don't have to make those, you know, hard cuts. You know, a guy that you drafted, you don't have to cut him more, more than likely, of course. So that that's one thing that's good but it's also going to be a harder learning curve for him because he doesn't have that rookie mini camp he doesn't have those OTAs he doesn't have that you know time to get just acquainted with his teammates you know mm. you can do a lot of things over zoom but it's not the same you hear right? you aren't catching passes from Drew Brees over zoom uh no no exactly. you're not <laughs> now just 
just in your experience with the organization, and I'm sure you've obviously done your research, seen Adam play a little bit. Um, what do you think? How, how will they utilize him uh, in their offense? I know they run a good vertical scheme, but I know he was one of the better rating blocking tight ends in the in the draft. How do you see them using him in the future in their offense, and what his role will be like with the Saints? So early on, just because of how unknown the offseason is for now, uh, his best shot at cracking the roster is just being that good blocking tight end, but also showing that you're versatile to do a bunch of different things. So special teams is going to be huge for really any young guy right now, just because the Saints have a very complicated offense. It's one of the more complicated ones in the league. And, you know, he's going to have to dive into it. But he's lucky in that he has two of the best guys in the entire locker room in his in his position room with Jared Cook and Josh Hill. Jared Cook is one of my favorite guys on the team. Josh Hill is also one of my favorite guys on the team. But Josh was undrafted out of an FCS school. So he knows what it's like to be discounted. And so as long as he leans on those two, and Drew and everybody else in the offense, obviously, but those two specifically, he's going to absorb a lot. And I think he can be a guy who is more like Josh Hill. You know, Josh, he's not the guy that's putting up crazy numbers all the time, but he's in there almost every snap blocking and a good blocker at that. Now, he caught, you know, a couple passes for touchdowns last year and was involved in their receiving game, but it wasn't like Jared Cook. Uh, Jared Cook is kind of a freak of nature in that way. He's good at blocking. You know, he's huge. Uh, I I, yeah. think, I I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us, Amy. I, I especially going all the way down from New Orleans. You said it was pretty hot down there. I hope it doesn't get too hot while you're locked up inside. But either way, thank you so much. We appreciate you here at the Get Around, and uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, through this entire ordeal. Yeah, thanks. My feature on Adam will go live sometime early next week. Okay. So hey, we'll awesome. definitely share that. Awesome. Thank Alrighty, you so thank much. Thank you so much, Amy. You have a great day, and we'll talk to you sometime, all right? Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Another big thank you to Amy for joining us. All the way down from New Orleans, thank you so much. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. They spend six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That's going to push us into our bracket update, gentlemen. We have obviously made our way, what, two, almost three weeks into our greatest of all time competition on our Twitter at TCRE Sports. The people are voting. The vote goats. Yeah, the vote, vote for the goat. Plenty of votes on all of our polls this week. Did not have any 50-50 splits like last time, uh, but we are down to the Sweet 16. A couple notable things. There's a little bit of... Michigan Michigan love going on here. I feel like if, if you played for a team from Michigan or you're from Michigan, you got a little bit of an upgrade on the on the on the ratings a little, here. A little boost. It makes sense though. We, I mean, this is our followers. We're we're a local newspaper. It's not like there's people out in, you know, Oklahoma, you know, voting for this. So I could see exactly, you know, I think we talked about it when we first actually introduced the bracket. Like, you know, there's going to be a little bit of that local bias from our Twitter followers, and I wouldn't expect it. And that's why, we, that's why I think we saw some things like I, 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 Gordy Howe taking 38% from LeBron James. I mean, it's a bit, it's, it's big, hockey's big up here. And mm-hmm. uh, Barry Sanders beating Will Chamberlain. Yeah, that guy, that I was going to get there. Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders beat Will Chamberlain. It, it, wasn't it was quite it was a the, landslide. It was the big uh, elephant in the room that you just kind of had to. I hate I. I personally, I, I'm, 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 I'm all cool with Barry Sanders being voted as a better athlete. If we, if you sit here and you look around and you look at the rest of our list, there really isn't any other football players other than a couple of quarterbacks. Um, where there's Deion Sanders here, but if you're talking about skill you know, player athletes, yeah, but yeah, if you're talking about athletes, Barry Sanders, man, put him on mm-hmm. a, I, you can put literally 21 other dudes. On a 50-foot wide field, and nobody can touch that man. You know, it's kind of funny, though, that matchup. Both players had a connection to Kansas. Wilt Chamberlain played at Kansas. Barry Sanders was from Kansas. Uh, but still, I, I'm not I'm not mad about Barry Sanders beating Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. Well, he could physically dominate people, but he was also a skilled player, too. I mean, I don't know. I can't, he had seasons where he averaged like seven assists a game. Well, guess what? He lost to Barry Sanders. Sanders. Get over it. <laughs> All right. 
So we're going to run same, through this real quick. The same quick. arguments you can make against Wilt, though, you can make against Jordan. I'm sure. Jordan was a six foot six shooting guard and playing in a days when most shooting guards were 6'2", six 6'3". Six when they were there, Steve Kerr. Yeah. Joe Dumars, 6'3". Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and run through this. We can't sit on this too long because we still have a little bit more to get to in our episode. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and start over in, what, in that west region, whatever we called it. It actually didn't call it a region, but uh, Michael Jordan <laughs> against Barry Bonds. Kind the of greatest, uh, I mean, the, one of the greatest home run hitters of all time versus, you know, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Jordan won an absolute landslide. Like, I was, absolute I was landslide. surprised at how much of a landslide it was, but I guess there's probably a lot of, Barry Bonds is not a popular player. Or, I mean, even if he's not, the whole I guess, quote-unquote popular, I think there's definitely uh, a stain that is hard to, yeah. you're not going to get that stain off and beat Michael Jordan There's an it. asterisk. Yeah, you, but you're not going to have that stain and beat Michael Jordan with it, right? Mm-hmm. Ninety-four to six was the was the vote on that one. Barry Sanders won seventy-three percent to twenty-seven percent. So it wasn't like that close at all. So your guys' arguments—they just obviously are getting floated to the wind. Our listeners do not care whatsoever. I'm used to not being listened to. (laughs) (laughs) Now I I remember Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders was like our closest matchup in the first round, but Deion Sanders beat Venus Williams sixty-eight to thirty-two this time. I think Deion is going to be a sleeper here. Because now, in the next round, he gets to face off with Wayne Gretzky, who beat Usain Bolt in what was our closest vote, closest poll, I believe, this entire round at 53-47. But once again, that's a hockey thing. Wayne Gretzky, obviously, I mean, t- isn't his nickname technically just the greatest of all time? The, the great one. The great one. Okay, that's yep. right. The great one. That's, that's close. That, that's going to be hard to get over. Uh, but Deion Sanders, once again. And this is a hockey area. We'll see, but prime time? It'd be a good matchup. We'll see. But, yeah, so that bracket, you got Michael versus Barry Sanders in the next round. I mean, that'll be tough, especially, you know, got the Michael bias right now. Barry got Barry, got Barry in, the, in the local bias, so we're going to see how that one plays out. I have a feeling Michael Jordan's still going to take that one. But then you have Deion Sanders versus Wayne Gretzky. That's actually a pretty good matchup, too. Mm-hmm. With all the records that Wayne Gretzky holds, I'm going to say, I don't want to persuade or I don't want to push our listeners anywhere. Make your own decisions. All right? Informed decisions. Make sure you look up all the records that Wayne Gretzky has. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, Deion Sanders is one of the best athletes of all time. But if we're just talking about, come on, dude. The, the pure number of points and goals and even assists that Wayne Gretzky has is just insane. Next, we have Rafael Nadal versus Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning won. That doesn't surprise me, but I think he's just a very popular person yeah. in general. Everybody likes Peyton. So he's going to be facing off with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the next round, who beat Pete Rose. I think if Wilt was there, Wilt would have beat Pete Rose, just yeah. like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did. Yeah, if but Wilt would have matched up with most other It's a hard, it's a hard, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you, get, sometimes you get cut down in the bracket, and it's a, it's a tough spot to do it at. All right, we got Hank Aaron versus Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods took out... Uh, Hammer and Hank, uh, whatever, the 30-year home run king. Um, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Whoa. Still I mean, the home run king if you don't like asterisks. Yeah, once again, Tom uh, Tom Brady versus Pele. If we're yeah. talking about athletes, everybody voted for Tom Brady. I got to see. I actually got to look and see what this vote was. 70 to 30. 70 to 30. I just don't think, once again, anybody. About 92 votes. So. Anybody in America cares about soccer. No, not, not enough to unseat to make, Tom Brady. Yeah, not enough to unseat the the NFL's leading man for the last six, 16 years. The NFL's goat. Yeah. No way. All right, so that 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 ends the bottom bracket on that side. We got four more ma- or eight more matchups to announce. Floyd Mayweather versus Maria Sharapova. I was actually really surprised on this. Uh, this one I think was actually our highest our highest voted poll of this round. And I know Floyd Mayweather won, but he won in like a landslide if I'm not mistaken. Just give me a second. 78 to 21. Yeah, 78-21. That's kind of surprising to me. But, I mean, then again, undefeated boxing career. You got it, dude. Kobe Bryant versus Joe Montaigne. Kobe. Joe Montaigne is a very different guy. But Joe Montana. Actor. Yeah, I know. But uh, Joe Montana lost to Kobe Bryant. That doesn't surprise me at all. Kobe Bryant has to go up against Floyd Mayweather in this next round, though. That is like That's, that is a heavyweight matchup. That is a heavyweight matchup. Even though Floyd Mayweather only weighs like 130 pounds, um, that is a heavyweight matchup. I would, I, I would, like have paid to see that fight. Kobe Bryant versus Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, six see, foot seven Kobe Bryant to, to against see, like a 130 yeah, pound, five foot Ma- three Floyd Mayweather. To see Mayweather try to defend against somebody with that much reach on him. Yeah, I don't think anybody realizes how small Floyd Mayweather really is. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he could beat your butt, but he's a small dude. 
You put an NBA player up against that guy. That's like Shaq, like holding, like you could probably yeah. hold him up, like pull him his head and hold him up. It's like putting Kevin Hart next to Shaq. <laughs> 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 All right, um, we got b- b- this one surprised me. No this doubt one was about close. It. This one was close, too. but this one really surprised me. Babe Ruth versus Serena Williams. I thought Serena Williams was running way deeper than just the Sweet 16, but Babe Ruth uh, took out Serena Williams. Are you guys surprised at that? No. I mean, it was 54-46. It's a great Bambino. Yeah, I know. But, but nobody's I, but ever I expected, seen him play. I expected the recency bias to everybody knows, everybody knows who Serena Williams is now. And everybody knows that she's not everybody really. knows who Babe Ruth is. Really. Well, and, I, mean, I mean, even everybody knows who Babe Ruth is. Nobody has ever seen Babe Ruth play. Yeah, I mean, is there footage of Babe Ruth? There, there is, but yeah. like, it's once again, it's old nineteen fifteen grainy baseball footage of him probably drunk in the batter's box, <laughs> whatever. But I'm I, this is the one I was disappointed about, especially because at this round, and I think this was the last one that had it. No, both of uh, both of these females in this round got knocked out, and I thought that both of them probably should have won against their opponents. I just always vision like Babe Ruth, you know, walking up to the uh, batter's box, smoking a cigarette and then, a flask. Ju- and then just like and then just like flicking it out on the on the plate. And literally just a flask in the back pocket, just knock one back as he's walking up. I could totally see it happen. But yeah, Babe Ruth beats Serena William 54-46 and then the other other female that fell out of this round which I was once again surprised about. I had high praises of her at the beginning. The Simone Biles falling to Magic Johnson, seventy-three to twenty-seven. Once again, that's a local bias. There's Michigan State yeah, there. There's, there's yeah. still recency. Simone probably should have taken that with all the gold medals and world championships that she's won. And, just kind, of the, and just kind of the size of the sport. It'd be think. Babe Ruth versus Magic Johnson. So we got two awesome first names <laughs> going up against each other. Babe and Magic. All right, we got four more. Kobe and Floyd. That sounds like somebody's actual name. Yeah, my name's Kobe Floyd, bro. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. versus Jack Nicholas. I know we were a little surprised that Dale Earnhardt Sr. beat Super in the first round, but this was actually a pretty close one, too, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, not really. No? 74-26. Okay, no, I lied. Jack Nicholas. There was another Dale close Earnhardt. one in this region, though. He ran Dale Earnhardt off the racetrack. It's not too soon. <laughs> ran him into the wall. See, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You edit that out. No, I'm staying in. I didn't say that. I'm staying that in. That is terrible. Like, you had so much time to think about that one, James. Uh, <laughs> I had time to pump the brakes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Strap in. We only have a few uh, a few votes left. Here. A couple more to go through. I mean, Jack Nicholas beat Dale Earnhardt Sr. We talked about Jack Nicholas in the first couple of rounds. Resume alone is just absolutely insane. So we're going to see how far he'll be able to make it. But he has to face off with Bo Jackson in the next round after Bo Jackson took down Mickey Mantle, 73-27. I mean, a lot of people, when we first put out this bracket, were just like, Bo Jackson's just the best athlete that it was ever created. Does Bo know golf? I don't know. Bo knows, though. But I bet you couldn't beat Jack Nicklaus at golf, even if Jack Nicklaus was 84 like he is now. No. Not a no. chance. I would never beat Jack Nicholas at golf, especially after what I did this past weekend. Alrighty, our last matchup of the Sweet 16 is another heavyweight. LeBron James versus Muhammad Ali. Because Muhammad Ali took out Michael Phelps. That was a good one. It was a close one. Yeah, 56-44 in uh, Muhammad Ali's favor. It was not as clo- or closer than the first round for Muhammad. But go ahead with LeBron James. I told you he got 70-30. I have to add, I mean, this is actually like, that is an actual, like, Fist fight I'd like to see. Now that we're talking about that, like, that's two heavyweights. And I know Muhammad Ali wouldn't back down from somebody who had, like, four inches on him or five inches on him and probably a solid, like, 30 pounds. Because I think that, I think LeBron James weighs, like, 270 pounds, which is just ridiculous that he has, like, a 47-inch vertical when he weighs that much. But, uh, yeah, make sure you vote on our Twitter. Polls will be open until noon Monday of next week. Still have a few things to do. Uh, We are going to retroactively induct a few more people into the Hall of Fame. I know that the guys didn't really have time for it last week, so we're going to make it quick and get them in here. You guys, we had a lot of people. We didn't picked out last week. We yeah, just, just didn't have decided time to get them in. Time. So let's, let's get them in quick here. Uh, let's make sure that we get these guys in the club. You guys had them chosen out because they are all headed to the Big Ten. Or it looks like they're headed seems. to the Big Ten. That's what I said. For it one. seems. For it one. seems. 
Yeah, uh, you know, you've got uh, Traverse City St. Francis wrestler Andy Simaz, who recently just committed to Iowa wrestling, which is... Like, one of the best ones. Like going to Michigan. Alabama football or Duke yeah. basketball. Elise Stuck going to Michigan basketball, women's basketball from Michigan. And Trey Searles going to run track at Michigan State. And then our fourth one is the, the maybe of this. Is, which we, is, we are assuming. Which is, which is Josh Burnham, who has gotten a offer from pretty at, much every Big I'm Ten school sure already. every Big Ten school except for, like, Northwestern and... That's like it. Maybe Purdue, but the majority of the other schools have all offered him. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska. Yeah, uh, literally everyone. I haven't heard Penn State. Um, I don't, I'm but, not sure about but that I don't either. Know. But I don't either. But, but either I mean, way, but once Ohio State offers you, everybody in the Big Ten has offered you essentially. Yeah, and basically, we, you know how recruiting pipelines work. It is very. I mean, it's it's not out of the question. We've talked to Josh, and I know that you know if if it takes him there, he I know he'll he'll go, but. It's just not very often you see kids move from northern Michigan to, say, southern California or to Texas. It, it, it's just a bit yeah. – those are outliers you're Jake more Fisher. or less. You go to Oregon. Exactly. But They're he was committed to Michigan first. And then, and then they had a coaching change, and he transferred after the coaching change after because he signed with Rich Rod. But, yeah, so congratulations to our – what is that? Four new inductees into the Get Around Hall of Fame, Josh – Still has to make his decision. I mean, he still is only a sophomore or going to be a junior into his upcoming season. So still has plenty of time to uh, show up, show out, and make that choice. But for other seniors, congratulations on moving on to Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa. Obviously, all great programs to be joining. And uh, congratulations. So welcome to the Hall of Fame. You obviously deserve it. We have one more segment to chat through today, and that is our, our normal, our trifecta. I wanted to ask you, fellas. I picked up a new hobby last week. I started like DJing. I spent like literally probably 24 hours on my furlough DJing, uh, just learning how to spin on the boards, and I really enjoyed it. And it's a new hobby of mine. But it made me think back to hobbies I had when I was a kid, and things that I liked to do. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, what are your favorite hobbies that you've had throughout your life? It doesn't have to be maybe just one right now that you have. I mean, a lot of people do carry hobbies for their whole lives, but what's a favorite hobby of yours that you've been able to kind of take your mind off of things when you're not at work and make your uh, make your personal life a little more you know fun for yourself? Current or old ones? It doesn't matter. Whatever your favorite. I know you brew beer, which I'm sure is going to be one of your faves. But I mean, I I want to I want a better answer out of you because we all know you brew beer and you love it. Of course. I mean, when I was a kid, I you know I I used to just collect different things. I collected baseball cards. I collected coins. I collect uh, stamps stickers. even yeah. stamps even for a while and stuff. But I still have a big baseball card collection. Um, well, and every and every once in a while, I just start you know going through a box and is sorting out what I think are the sorting out what I think are the good ones, and then maybe here's a box of commons that maybe I'll just put on eBay. Yeah, is that, is that, is that your hobby though? Yeah, I mean, or would that be your favorite? Was collecting baseball cards and stuff as, as, as a kid? Up, yeah. As a kid, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we used to as a kid. We would everybody. There was like a a group of kids in our high school that were like hardcore baseball card collectors, and we would all bring our binder with the pages in it and our best baseball cards in it to school every day, and we'd bring it to lunch, yeah. and then we'd sit there and trade baseball cards and at lunch period. You know, it was like the middle school thing. What would suck is when you would have uh, you would bring that binder to school. And you get like some jelly stain on like the really good one. Yeah, Did that like happen to you too? No, because I put mine in pages all the time. Oh, oh yeah, you gotta have them in the, in the slot. <laughs> yeah, I, keep I it in pages, the, man. Were I they like double slotted too? So like you would have the foil, so the plastic sheet. Well, a hard case? No, they, yeah. you were too young for that. You didn't understand yeah. the value of cards then. I'm sure. I mean, you sh- you sheath them because you wanted to take care of your stuff, just like I did with my Pokemon cards. But nobody knew that that holographic Charizard was going to be $6,000 today. <laughs> um, I mean, when you were a kid, I'm sure you, you, you grabbed a few of those baseball cards that probably, had you not done anything with them, would have been worth a lot of money. Because I know baseball cards right now, I mean, I think LeBron James' rookie card sold for almost a half million dollars a couple of years ago, just for one, one card. You can go on and on about Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's, you bring that up, and I didn't really think about that, like... I mean, uh, humans in general have a weird penchant for, like, collecting things, but I feel like all kids, like, collect something, mm-hmm. right? Like, I collected stickers that it didn't make many sense. I had so many stickers, I had nowhere to put them, so I started sticking them. I would only put them on the inside of my closet door. So, like, I could, I would never even, like, look at them. I'd collect stickers and, like, just stick them on the inside of my closet and shut the door again. I'm like, what? So, like, I, that, that just, you just, like, brought up a weird memory of me thinking about collecting things when I was a kid. I, you, I, you, you just flashed me into a couple of things. I also collected 
they I don't even know if they make them anymore, but I've collected like piggy banks. But they used to make like really cool novelty piggy banks mm-hmm. that were like huge. And like I had them from like Toy Story and Scooby Doo and Star Wars. I literally had a C three PO and R two D two that like there aren't you put a you put a coin in and like they'd light up and they'd start talking to you. And like R two D two would like roll back and forth, and C three PO's arms would move. I remember mm-hmm. I had one from Toy Story where like Woody was on uh, what the heck was his, this horse's name? I can't remember. Uh, but he's like on his horse, like Bucky or something, just like riding the horse whenever you put it in. Um, yeah, I collected those when I was a kid, and I swear I ended up giving them. I gave them all to my uh, my little nephew when I got older. I wish I'd have held on to them because some of those are worth a lot of money as well. But yeah, novelty novelty banks. I mean, my hobby that I was. My new favorite, my new new favorite hobby is DJing because I'm so into music and I'm not going to be at a live concert for however long. So I'm just going to start throwing my own. Going to concerts was kind of a hobby of mine too. Yeah, I don't really see and that. That's not even like a hobby. That's just like my lifestyle. Yeah, and then uh, I, I collected uh, action figures for a long time. Okay. You know, I've like seen, st- I mean, Star I've Wars, seen, Star Wars action I've figures and stuff, but I, but I've You're got, but I had some other weird ones. I've started selling them off on uh, on eBay and stuff like that. But I had like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Like old original Planet of the Apes That's figures legit. and stuff. That's legit. Thundar the Barbarian. Those ones sold for a small fortune. Yeah, I had a bunch of He-Man toys and stuff like that when I was a kid. I wish that I would have actually like taken care of those and not like broken their arms off while playing with them. Alright, I finally got one. I'm not going to get into my drone hobby. I just became... I did just become a FAA certified Part 107 pilot. Got that in the mail today. It... No, nobody can see it, but he's holding up his yeah, license. He, he, I am. He needs to prove it, just so you know. It's so freaking cool. I'm sorry. But I, when I was like 10, maybe younger than that, my dad had a board game. It was like a football board game where you kept, that had play cards for offense and defense, and you would put a bunch of guys on this field, and the card would let you know how many spaces you would go forward or how many spaces you'd go backwards. Really, really cool set. I don't, I don't know how long he had it for, when it was actually made. But I, my hobby was actually just trying to figure out that game. <laughs> you sit there by yourself and play it over and over again. Like, I how would. am I supposed to beat my dad? And like, yeah, we would we would play with each other, and then he would he would try and explain how the game worked. I'm like, Dad, I want to actually play the way this rule, the way the way the, the way the rules of the game are. So he got me into that. He was he also had baseball mogul for the PC. That's something I would try and play. That sounds like fun, like a football board game. See how it works. But either way. Thank you guys all so much for listening to a yet another episode of The Get Around. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. Thank you to Adam and Amy for joining us via telephone today, uh, obviously in their busy lives, their busy schedules, especially preparing to go into the NFL in a very different style than, uh, than most are used to. So thank you once again to them. Before we leave, wanted to make sure we get the people fed. It's been a while, but it seems like things are starting to open a little bit back up and... At least the weather's nice enough that we can get you out of the house and you can go pick up some Jimmy John's. So we decided to get some people fed this week. We had Linda Ortiz Cuts Nikki interact with us. So we are going to send out some vouchers, get a hold of you on Facebook, and get you fed. So remember, share, like, retweet, comment, and we will get you entered in to win a couple free Jimmy John's sandwiches courtesy of the Get Around. Before we go, I wanted to say thank you to James and uh, Andrew for not bothering me on my furlough last week it was fantastic that has been episode 124 of the get around podcast thank you so much for listening and we will see you for episode 125 next week